Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Outrider Book Podcast, y'all. All right, so we had um, a little bit of a break there because we have something special for you. You are awesome, dear writer. You deserve the best. So I have an amazing interview, you guys. Um, I was able to interview this awesome, inspirational person. Um, you're gonna love him. I I thought he was super great, super fantastic. Um, when I was talking with him, I just felt like so on fire, and I have been on fire since speaking with this man. And I, I mean, it's not just the fact that he is an author who's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go ahead and and uh, try to tackle this. It's like. It's just what he does, how he does it, the way he looks at life is amazing. Now, let me go ahead and just sum him up with his like tagline. He is known as the blind blogger. Yup, you heard that right. The blind blogger, y'all. What does that mean? Yes, he's actually blind. He does not have his sight and he has written a couple of books. Um, He is a blogger. He is a business owner. He's also a podcaster. Um, and um, he has some amazing words of wisdom um, for the show. It is so cool to um, have spoken with um, Maxwell Ivy um, or Maxwell Ivy, Ivy Jr. And it was neat. And so I, I have actually split this episode into a couple of different parts. And the reason for that is three parts to be exact. And the reason for that is because usually and typically my episodes are about uh, between 15 to 30 minutes. And so this way they get a little bit more handy and for your pocket, right? But I could not stop talking with this man. I just was absorbing everything. I think you're going to love him. I really feel like once you listen to him, not just for what the advice that he has for his writing, but also for just life. I mean, it was just so beautiful, so inspirational. Um, I was I was just like, oh my gosh, like, yes, yes, totally while you're saying that, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? Because it's so funny because um, his friends and his colleagues have given him this tagline, which is one, being the blind blogger. And you're going to hear about, about that in the episodes. And then secondly, what's your excuse? And the reason for that is because people who know him um, more personally, they will tell him that when they when they speak with him, that they're asking themselves, well, what's my excuse? You know, what, why? I mean, if he can do it, then why can't I do it? Or why haven't I done it, essentially? Um, and we're going to talk about that in the show. So I just want to give you a heads up that we have a three-part um, episode here. I've broken it up and I've tried to uh, really break it up into like as nice transitional pieces as I can. But please excuse me for some of my editing chops on this podcast, y'all. It's uh, I'm a writer, <laughs> so I'll try my best here. But actually, I think I did pretty decently, so I hope you enjoy. Um, so let me just go ahead and give you a short bio. He actually does talk more in depth about his life and his accomplishments. Again, Maxwell Ivy Jr., also known as the blind blogger, author, podcaster, entrepreneur. Uh, amazing. So let's go ahead and dive in. So I got to interview Maxwell Ivy. All right. So here's his short bio and then we'll dive into the episode. So Maxwell Ivy is an inspirational and motivational personal coach who also runs a business buying and selling carnival equipment and amusement park rides. Yes, you totally heard that correctly. It's awesome. All right. A native Texan, Max loves to sing and spend time with his unique and crazy dog, a Graymation named Penny, a half Greyhound, half Dalmatian. Oh, that sounds lovely. Reading, singing, and blogging are among Max's favorite things to do. He especially enjoys helping others find their bliss. Oh, I absolutely believe that. After speaking with this man, I absolutely can feel that his passion, his spark is to find others, find their bliss. So y'all, he's also a coach and I think a writing coach as well. So if you want to know more about him, I'm going to add his contact information as well as some notes into the episodes so you can find him and you can contact him as well as checking out his book. So I did read his book. Um, you'll hear me talk about it in the podcast and, um, it, there's an audio version. I highly, highly recommend if you don't get one, get both, you know, get, get, well, okay. Essentially what I'm trying to say is get both of them. So I listened to the audiobook in less than two hours. It's a, a quite a short read, but very inspirational, very to the point. I really liked how concise he was. Um, and not just that, but the way that he delivered his messages was to the point, but it wasn't blunt. It was as if he was really telling you like, here's what I know. And 
you take that with you. And, and what I like about that is that we as readers get to interpret that um, in the way that applies to us in that moment. You know, we could read a book 10 years ago and then we can read it now and it means something different. And so I think that his book is going to be timeless like that. It feels timeless. Um, so y'all, um, don't let me stop you any farther. Um, so this is part one of three and then you will see that the other podcasts will be loading shortly and y'all have a great day. I, I hope that you find inspiration the way that I did. I mean, after this, I was like on fire all day. Also, do not forget to follow me on Instagram. And the reason for that is because I'm on there now a lot more often. I've learned a lot about it, especially as author Graham. Um, so if you want more tips, more tricks, you want some freebies, um, you want to talk to me actually too. I love the DMs. It's super cool. So I encourage you to follow me on Instagram. That's pretty much where I'm at. And I'm looking forward to also seeing you on Facebook. I have the Facebook page called Black Card Studios LLC. Y'all, thank you so much. And let's go ahead and dive right in. Dear writer, I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. All righty. Now we are recording. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the How to Write a Book podcast. We have a very special episode today. I'm super, super excited to introduce to you Maxwell Ivy Jr., who is also known as the blind blogger, um, prolific author, speaker, coach, um, so many things. Actually, you have a carnival background. You've accomplished a lot of um, just amazing things. Um, and uh, I read your book, Leading You Out of the Dark into the light. Um, and that was fantastic and inspirational. A blind man's inspirational um, guide to success. That was awesome. Thank you so much, much Max, for being on the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for reading my book. Um, one of these days, I'm going to get the my other books into audio so more people will read them. Um, and you know, we'll just, we'll just go from there. I'm, uh, I'm also looking forward to, you know, one of those opportunities eventually to get my books into other languages. So, you know, it, it's one of those things as an author, no matter how well you're doing, there's always other stuff you need or want to do, but I'm glad you could get the audio and enjoy that book. And that was my first book and my first effort at storytelling. So it was probably the best place to start. That was excellent. Yes, I mean, you give such great advice. I mean, advice for like just trying to live your best life. You talk about celebrating yourself, taking small steps. Also, your really interesting background. I've never met anybody who comes from a carnival background. And also your adventures um, and accomplishments in losing weight and having two businesses. You know, before I go on, you know, Max, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself because I'm getting carried away over here. <laughs> Well, it's always a great compliment when the host gets excited. It makes the guests feel better. So don't apologize for it. Don't stop doing it. That's who you are. That's what people tune in to see. And that's what makes your guests better because they're going to feed off your energy. So don't, don't worry about that a bit. Uh, and it's great that I have a good story. Um, yes, I grew up in a family of carnival owners here in Texas. I also grew up knowing that eventually I was going to lose my vision, most or all of it, which I started losing vision at four or five. By the time I was 12, I was legally blind and, and switching to audio and Braille for my sources of information. Uh, back then, we didn't have Google and Alexa and all this other great stuff. So it was a lot more difficult back then. Just graduated from high school and college. I'm also one of the few blind Eagle Scouts. Um, I was the first blind Eagle Scout in the Southeast Texas region of scouting, actually. And I was lucky enough to do that on the 75th anniversary of scouting in Texas. So um, one of the few that have done that, I was lucky enough to, to be part of my family's business and travel around the country for 15 years before my dad passed away to lung cancer. Hmm. Uh, after he died, I, uh, we weren't able to keep our carnival going. So uh, eventually we sold out and combined with my uncle's carnival, but there really wasn't a place for me on his midway. So I started this website, the Midway Marketplace, where I help people buy and sell used carnival rides. And who knows, someday I may even help somebody buy a new carnival ride, and then I won't have to blog or podcast for a while unless I really want to. Hmm. Uh, 
Um, I did that, but in order to do that, I had to learn so many new things. I had to learn how to hand code HTML, for example, which for those people who are doing things now, now with GoDaddy and uh, WordPress and Drupal, et cetera, y'all don't know how lucky you have it. And I, I give thanks every day for WordPress because I hand coded HTML for seven years. I wrote over two million lines of code. And I've got more than a, a few, more than enough sleepless nights and gray hairs and missing hair from trying to figure out why the website won't load. So I did that. I also had to recruit clients and set fees and write copy and eventually start a blog, record videos. And every time I did something, I didn't think about it. I just did it. I did the work. I'm like, here's a problem. These are the solutions. This is a solution that will work for Max because he doesn't have a lot of money. He doesn't have a lot of skills and he doesn't have much in the way of technology. So that's what I would do. And how, did, how would I know that that would inspire other people, which it did. And people came along and said, Max, we want to hear more about your life as a blind entrepreneur and just living life in general as a blind person in this world. So I finally listened to him and I started the blindblogger.net where I share my experiences as a blind entrepreneur, a blind traveler, um, and some people will say blind philosopher or blind influencer, and who knows, maybe one day they'll even say blind singer. So I, um, but, you know, they were inspired by me. And on the, you know, on the pod podcast, I share my experiences. A lot of my posts start out with something bad happening and then me trying to figure out how to get through it or around it. And the way I basically just accept and live with whatever disaster happens to be happening to me at that moment. <laughs> It's also where you can find my podcast, the What's Your Excuse show, where I interview people who've overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances. And uh, let's see, I'm a prolific guest. I teach people how to be guests. I book people on podcasts. I'm looking forward to traveling again as soon as COVID is behind us. Uh, I think that's pretty much all of my story. I just hope you have some time left, you know? Oh, that was awesome. Yes. <laughs> You know, and I, I can tell like from some of my listeners and myself, I'm like, oh, we're just getting started. <laughs> yes, I love this. And thank you so much for introducing yourself. Yeah, definitely way better than what I was going to do. So thank you so much. Um, there was something that you mentioned, actually. So you're talking about how you are um, the blind blogger. and That's your website. And then also what's your excuse podcast. And we talked about this a little bit, but people actually gave you this type of branding. Like you didn't come up with this yourself. No. No, I, I have yet to come up with anything of my own as far as branding. Um, when I started the Midway Marketplace, I was, was trying to help some people sell a classic wooden roller coaster in Ohio. And the people were so impressed with how respectful I was of this coaster, even though a lot of people were talking about it like it was an eyesore. I was sincerely trying to find it a new home, but it would have cost the buyer a million dollars to buy it and relocate it so and restore it. But they respected me and they started calling me Mr. Midway and that stuck. So, you know, then as I'm online promoting that website and then eventually I start the blind blogger, I didn't come up with the blind blogger. Um, as you may not know this, but for the most part, wherever I am, I am the only blind person in that in that community or in that social group. So I was online. I was promoting myself. You know, I am a promoter. I am kind of shameless in telling people, mm -hmm. hey, you should talk to me you should listen to me you should have me on your podcast i am kind of shameless yes you will agree with that well they should definitely do that so i absolutely yeah. like yes yeah so i'm <laughs> so i'm on social media just trying to get people to come to my website and and people on linkedin and facebook started calling me the blind blogger so when i finally decided to start a website i said what am i going to call myself they said we're calling you the blind blogger for two years so i'm at the blindblogger.net and then as far as the what's your excuse thing as I was writing blog posts, people would comment on my posts and they would say, you know, Max, if you could do this, then what's my excuse? And one of my favorite ones was a, was a guy who was going down the road with a friend of his and he was checking my website on his, on his phone or something. And he, he made his friend pull over. He said, look, I want to show you this. And he showed his friend my post. He said, see, this blind guy has got a blog. Now, what's your excuse? So... <laughs> You know, people telling other people, what's your excuse? And then every so often, it's really fun. People will use what's your excuse back on me sometimes, you know, and, and it happens. And sometimes I go for it. And sometimes I go, no, not now, not me. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Cassandra, one of my good friends is one of the few people who actually gets to 
say that she came up with something that what your excuse guy wouldn't do. So uh, I'm I'm not challenging anybody out there. Okay. <laughs> okay so I don't want to hear from none of y'all. Uh, um, so, but uh, I got off my own track. That's bad. Uh, <laughs> that but was yeah, great. But yeah, but yeah. Um, so people started leaving it in the comments. They say, if, you know, if, I, if you can do it, what's my excuse? And so when I decided to have a podcast, which was another thing I kept putting off because I really didn't think I was ready for it yet. I finally did that. I tried everything to come up with a new name. I wrote a blog post. I went on social media. I sent emails to people and everybody's like, Max, there is nothing more perfect than what's your excuse for your podcast name. So yes, every single one of my names has been given to me, but here's where I'm smart. I'm not a genius in advertising or marketing. I can't come up with slogans on my own. Well, I can come up with slogans, but I can't come up with brands on my own. But I'm smart enough when I hear a good one to say, yes, thank you, and then make it mine. Nice. Yes. And I think that goes back all the way to, in your book, you're talking about how um, you were raised accepting and asking for help. And I think that that ties in pretty well. Like if people are going to give you this. You're like, all right, yeah, I'm going to take it, you know, and that's awesome. You know, oh, and yeah. I, yeah. 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 Because. Because the more difficult part of asking for help is accepting help when it's offered, no matter what that help looks like. Because, you know, when people, when, when we ask for help, which is hard enough as it is, I'm glad you brought it up because this is one of the most important topics I speak about. Mm -hmm. And for writers, this can be really a big thing um, to ask for help or to accept help. But it's hard enough to ask for help because most of y'all have been trained throughout your lives that, it's, that you look bad, you know, that you're in that silly failure, just, um, you know, Whatever negative words you want to put in there, if you have to ask for help, there's something wrong with you. If you can't do it on your own, you're a failure. That's what the most of the world thinks. I was raised with people who are like, Max, you are going to need to get a lot of help. So ask for help. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help. And oh, by the way, people like helping other people. It makes them feel good. So uh, give them the opportunity to feel good by helping you when you need it. So I was raised being told, hey, if you, you know, always ask for help. My dad used to say, if you don't ask, they can't say yes, which has become another one of my taglines, which I didn't come up with myself either. Um, and, the, but the more difficult thing is when somebody comes along and offers you help, because then that just really makes your ego stand up. It's like, who the heck do they think they are? I don't need their help. What makes them think that I need any help? Cause I'm doing just fine. You know? Mm -hmm. So you have to turn it around. You have to look at the other person. You know, I just said, people feel good when they help. You think about how good you feel when you can do something for somebody else that they didn't ask for. You know, that you don't expect anything in return. You just do it. It makes you feel good. So I like to say, take the focus off yourself. Look at the other person. And I have an expression for that, which is, if you refuse to ask, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. And I'm going to say that again, because it's the most important thing I'm going to say today, even though we're talking about storytelling and authors. Mm -hmm. If you refuse to ask, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. Wow. Yes. I love that. And you know what? I, I'm going to send a sidetrack for just a second here, but I think that is that something that you also teach in your coaching and, and also, cause you were talking earlier about getting people onto podcasts. Um, how do you implement that for your clients? Well, um, a lot of times with clients, they, uh, they have a desire and they need to gain more exposure or they need to, uh, to work with a mentor or there are things that they need to do in order to accomplish their goals. So um, I look at, at this two ways. It depends on the person because with some, per some people, you can never teach them to stick their hand up and say, pick me. Mm -hmm. And the important thing is to find out, find that out early enough where you can go, look, you're never going to be the kind of person that writes emails or calls people and asks for stuff. But you, uh, you, so you need to find somebody who do, who will do the asking for you that will take the time to get to know you and your story so they can introduce you to other people and make those connections and get you those opportunities. Some people it's, it's part of their culture too. There are a lot of, of parts of the world where, you know, to ask for something is to, is considered to be bragging, boasting, um, unseemly to think that you actually deserve 
something to the point of asking for it. So that's the first thing is, is the person I'm working with capable of doing their own asking? If they are, that makes things a lot easier because then you can kind of wean them into it. You know, um, you can give them a really simple ask. You can have them ask people who you know are going to say yes. You know, I'm going to reveal a secret here about my podcast uh, booking work that I do, because even if y'all know it, you're still probably not going to do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, For the majority of podcast hosts, I would say 90% of them and probably 95 or 99% of blog of blog owners, they need you to be on their show. They need you for their content. Mm -hmm. They will hardly ever say no unless one of two things has happened. Either you are totally not a good fit for them or they are already so booked up they don't have a spot for you. You know, so asking podcast hosts to be on the shows is easy. It's like shooting fish in a barrel because more often than not, they're going to say yes. And if you tell them a good story, which... Will you agree that I tell people a good story in my emails when I, when I contact people? Absolutely. Yes. And I do the same thing for my clients. I tell their story because stories are what gets you booked and stories are how you create your platform. And as an author, the most important story you have to tell is yours. You have to live your story. You have to know who you are and why people should be interested in you. And I want to mention a couple of things here from television. I hope you don't mind these references. I hope they don't get you in trouble. Um, (laughs) There's a great episode of The Simpsons where the town was writing a a book along the lines of Twilight. And the whole town was involved in it. And Lisa was going to be the face of it. And the, you know, the sleazy agent comes to town and says, this is a great book, but it's only going to sell if you have a story. So what's the story? And the story they gave Lisa was she grew up in a circus. She was orphaned. Um, her parents were sideshow freaks and she wrote her first book on smash popcorn boxes and in, uh, clown makeup. That was Lisa's story. (laughs) Now that (laughs) one of these days I'm going to find that clip and I'm going to start playing it for people because it's the perfect example. I mean, it's over the top. Yes. But sometimes I think when I tell my story, it's a little unbelievable. And I'm from Texas where we do unbelievable, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a perfect, yeah, it's a reason y'all can look, y'all can probably Google that and find it on YouTube or something. It's just the episode where the Simpsons were going to write a book. And then the other one, there's an episode of Hawaii Five O, the new version, where uh, there's a food truck operator on there who wanted to enter a food contest to grow his business. And, the thing that the like his guru wanted him to do was tell him, okay, we need to know why you need to cook. What is what is your why? Because until we find out what your why is, what your story is, you got no chance of winning this thing. And he started going. He went back and he said, you know, I didn't really start cooking until I was in prison. And then he says, you know, I would cook on a hot plate in the room. He's, you know, like you know, like jailhouse cooking. He said. He said then eventually the guards would bring me in bring me in stuff so I could cook for them. And he said, you know, I was running a hot plate off of a car about, you know, he just went on and on with this story about how he started cooking and where his love for it came from. And that's another example of a great story. Now they're over the top. They're created by Hollywood where they have lots of money and lots of time, but I'm doing, I'm sharing these because as an author, if you want to build that platform, if you want to get an agent, a publisher, a theatrical agent, you know, if you want to do these things, they have to buy you. And the first thing they buy or not buy is your story. So with me, yeah, I'm not traditionally published. I'm self-published. But I, but my story is, hey, I'm I'm a blind former carny turned amusement equipment broker, now self-help author, motivational speaker, and all that other good stuff that I tell them. And I've overcome adversity by uh, deciding to find solutions instead of making excuses, asking for help, and being willing to accept help when offered and being determined to find a positive in all aspects of life. That's what I tell people. That's my story. You know, and then if they want to know, I can throw in the, the weight loss and creating my first website and doing my first video recordings, because that's another thing that's great. If you're paying attention, if you're not so, you know, if you're, you know, if you're, if you watch your own work, you have lots of stories you can tell people. 
there are stories every day in your life. You know, I, I get mad at some blog post, blog hosts, because I'll see these posts about how they're stuck with the next blog post. And I'm like, come on, use your life. There's something going on somewhere with somebody, you know, write about it. Um, so yeah, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a real big believer in storytelling. And, and the most important story is the author's bio story. And don't try to tell it like you're writing for a resume. That's the wrong way to create it. And there are going to be people who are going to be yelling at me when they hear that. <laughs> but to me, write it like you're telling a story. Like it's like you want them to go, man, this is a great introduction. I want to know what happens next. That's the way you want to write it. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. And it's great. And also you hit the nail on the head because um, you're talking about how like y- you are pitching yourself, you're pitching your clients. And it's exactly as you mentioned, we were talking about this earlier, how like, I actually, I had no idea that you existed until you reached out to me. And then I was like, holy smokes, who is this guy, you know, reading about what you're doing and then listen to your book. And it's exactly as you said, the story, your story. Yes, exactly. Wow. That's amazing. Well, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, especially because everybody should, you know, first of all, they should contact you and they should read your book because it's exactly as you were talking about how, you know, you were asking for help and, and knowing when to um, accept it and thinking positive. And that's something that I want to get to. But before I go into that, I'm already jumping the gun here. Um, you know, why don't you tell us about kind of like your journey tackling your first book and now you have four, is it, is it four or do you have more than that already? Uh, well, okay. I have four. I was included in a collaboration that was an international bestseller. So I'm calling that five or four B. I have uh, been featured as a character in a trilogy um, called, uh, what is it? The, the tenant in four B that's set in New York by Andy J. I'll get to his name later, but um, I won a contest and he, he wrote the blind. He wrote the blind amusement equipment broker into this trilogy, and it was really cool to see. You know, like in one in one scene in the first book, this woman is trying to get answers to her questions, and she goes and knocks on a door, and on the door there's this gold or brass nameplate that says Midway Marketplace, and then they knock on the door, and the blind guy. And it was so cool to have somebody kind of telling my story in a, in a book of fiction. It was. You know, so, you know, so maybe I'm seven or eight books or maybe I'm four. That's awesome. Uh, who knows? But um, my first book, you know, I talked, I talked earlier about, you know, accepting things when people offer or ask you. My first book was actually written on a dare. And I'm going to be honest and admit that it's much easier to write nonfiction than it is to write fiction. Because if you can be honest with yourself, if you can put yourself down on paper, you really don't have to think about plot and uh, character development. You just have to be honest with yourself and your readers, which is easy. So, uh, but you know, I do believe that my path to publishing my book will help some of y'all, even if you're, you know, even though most of you are probably writing or aspiring to write fiction. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I am hanging out promoting the Midway Marketplace, and a woman named Eve Koivula said, "You know, Max, we're having a." a virtual summit in a few months. There's going to be five people involved. We'd like you to take part in it, but you need to have something you can either give away or sell at a discount for, for a lead magnet. So people will sign up for the email list as in order to be part of a summit. She said, that's the way these things work. We don't do, we do these for free so we can get people on our mailing list, or we can sell them something at a discount that we can then sell them something more expensive later. I said, okay, but I've never written a book. I have no I have no desire to write a book. Wouldn't know the first thing about how to write a book. And to be honest with y'all, I still don't know as much as people think I know. But that's everything. As Max, I think you can write a book, and I think you can write a book. And she said, "Okay, I'm going to share my favorite quote, was just from Richard Branson. It says, "Promise to deliver, and then figure out how." I said, yeah, that might work great for Richard Branson, but um, if this don't work for me, I'm going to tell everybody it was your fault. Uh, she says, I know you can do it. So she sent, me a, she sent me a book to tell me how to write a book, and I got started writing it. And um, a, like a few weeks later, she gets a hold of me and says, you know, Max, the other four people in this summit are all women. They've decided that it would be a better advertising thing if it was all women. So you're out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And I said, you know, look, I grew up in a carnival. I'm a promoter at heart. Um, while I can't, while it's not genetically true, I like to believe I have the blood of people like Barnum and Colonel Parker running through me somewhere. 
And I understand what it is to want to put, you know, feet on the ground, uh, butts in the seats or faces behind the screen. So I'm not mad. I'm fine. I'm actually happy that you encouraged me to do this and that I've rediscovered my love for writing. So I was very happy. I said, and I'm not going to finish. I'm going to keep writing this book. So a few months later, I've written, it would turn out I had 75 or 80 pages worth of material when it was finally edited and published. And I kept thinking, you know, this isn't enough. This book needs something more. It isn't long enough in order to be an actual professional for sale on the internet book. And I started sharing with people through email. And finally, a friend from mine from California who is a, is a coach, her name is I.V. Argent. And she said, Max, um, this book is great. It's the perfect size. She said, you know, I printed it out and I've been carrying it around in my purse because I can refer back to it because it's a small book. Even, uh, even when you print it out on your own printer. I said, she said, and I'm going to send it to your editor if you don't. She says, I know who your editor is going to be because you've mentioned her in your blog posts in the past because this lady helped me with some problems on my website. And her name is Lorraine Regulie at wordingwell.com. And without her, I would have probably published my books, but it would have taken much longer and they wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. I think she's wonderful at making the book better without taking out the thing that makes me me. So I really love her. I appreciate her. And anytime I get a chance, I drop her name and her website because it's a gratitude exercise, which is another thing I mentioned in that first book. And I would, I wouldn't feel right with myself if I didn't tell people to check out wingwell.com. I hope that's okay. So, yes. so uh-huh. yeah. So Ivy says, Max, if you don't send it to her, I'm going to send it to her. And so I said, okay, <laughs> I admit that it's good enough. And a few months later in January, 2014, it was out in the world on Amazon. People could buy it. We started selling it and people started uh, sending me emails and telling me about their progress, which, you know, as you know, it's one of the very unique things about that book. You know, I did something every other coach that's heard about this book has said, you're crazy. You can't do this. This will never work. But they they overestimated um, they overestimated people's uh, uh, base or desires because it turned out I was right, um, mainly because a lot of people just didn't t- didn't take the initiative. And I was I was not surprised, but I was sad that they didn't. So here's what happened. In the first book, Leading You Out of the Darkness into the Light, A Blind Man's Inspirational Guide to Success, I included my email address and I encouraged people to write on, write to me and share their progress of working through the exercises in the book. Mm-hmm. I did that because I didn't want this book to be just another book because I know people and you know people and everybody watching us knows people who have read the book and listened to the audio and watched the video and went to the seminar and spent lots of money, and they're still in the same spot they were before they started. So I wanted my book to be different. I wanted to let people know up front, hey, I want you to succeed. I want you to be healthy. I want you to accomplish. And the only way I could figure out to do that was to put my email address in there and say, hey, get a hold of me. Let me know how you're doing, because when you start something new, most of the people around you are not going to be friendly voices in your ear, and I wanted people to have at least one person who would be a positive voice in their ear. Oh, that's, that's lovely. Yes. And I noticed that I noticed that you put your email in there and I was like, that's very cool. It, it made it really authentic too. You know, really being genuine. Yeah. But there were a lot of coaches, a lot of business people who said, Max, this is a mistake. This will come back to haunt you. People will get a lot of your time for free, but what they didn't anticipate is how many people will buy the book and not read it or not get past chapter three or get through the book and never contact you because they just don't feel right about contacting you. So it's actually worked out. If, if I sold a hundred thousand copies based on how many people, and I've, I haven't done that, but I say, let's say for argument's sake, if in the future I was were to sell a hundred thousand copies of that book, I Sorry, Max, can you hear me? I think I cut out for a second. I think I may get a couple of hundred. Am I here now? Oh, now you, there you are. Okay, sorry. Okay, can you I'm start? I'm sorry. Oh, no, totally fine. Can you start from if you sold 100,000 copies? Okay, yeah, okay. 
Okay, let's just say for argument's sake, I sold 100,000 copies of that first book in the future. Mm-hmm. I, I might get a couple hundred emails mm-hmm. um, because that's just, I mean, I understand it. Um, life is difficult. We have a lot of demands on our time. And for a lot of people, things have gotten even worse since COVID because they're having to do school at home. Mm-hmm. They're having to order their groceries. Uh, they're having to try to figure out how to work around toddlers, teenagers, elementary school kids, dogs. It's just not easy. So I understand it. And even before then, you know, you had family, you had work, and a lot of jobs expect you to be on call even when you're not supposed to be on call. So um, a lot of people have invisible disabilities. You know, they have attention deficit or autism or, you know, the dangers of sleep apnea. Some people are undiagnosed with sleep apnea. They're not getting good rest at night. So there are a lot of things that get in people's way. So I understand it. I just wish more people would go through the exercises, would contact me so we could have a conversation and so I could help them accomplish. And, you know, I know that's not financially smart, but you know what I feel like? I feel like if, if I help other people accomplish their goals, mm-hmm. one of two things is going to happen. One, they're either going to find some way to reward me mm-hmm. out of their out of their own feelings towards what I did to help them, however small I'm, part I may have played in their accomplishing their goals. Or two, they're going to tell people, hey, I worked with this guy, and even though you know it was just by email, I was able to do X, and I did it in three months or six months or a year or whatever it took them. Or you know, even people who were able to start, because you know, even if you don't conclude you know, make it to that big accomplishment moment you think you need to get to. Just the act of starting, of moving, of trying, of uh, brainstorming other options when that first trial fails. All these things are valuable. We don't celebrate them in this world, but they're all valuable. Mm-hmm. So like that, ch- that chapter of your book you wrote, and then you get to the end of the chapter, and you're like, this won't work because this character was already dead in the previous chapter. Um, you know, um, I don't know anything about a submarine. So how do I write the uh, description of the, of where this stuff is going to happen? You know, it, it's all these things that get in our way, but the effort. So I say, celebrate that, tr- that fall up piece of paper you throw in the trash or that file that you sent to the trash folder. I mean, they took effort. They took love. They took passion. They took curiosity. And we have to celebrate them. I know it's hard. I know it sounds hokey. I know people are, and every once in a while, somebody will go, Max, I need to call BS on you because you're just talking out your other end now. But, but this, you know, the truth is these mistakes, the stuff that doesn't work out right where we have to start over, those all have value. And we need to celebrate them because they took effort. You took action. You moved forward. You did something, what? most every other person will never do. They will never get that far. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people do you know are, talk, are still talking about writing a book 10 years after you first met them? Yes. Yes, there are more of a handful than those who actually written it. Yes. Yeah. So um, I definitely say that um, our mistakes, the things we don't accomplish, they are still part of the process, Start part of the journey. And if you you know, take the time to appreciate them. You can use those to, to find out where you should go next. And of course, when you're a writer, you have a great opportunity because y'all have all these forums you can go to when you're stuck and you can say, Hey, um, chapter 12 and chapter 15 don't agree. And here's why. Does anybody have a clue how I can fix this? So I don't have to go back to chapter nine and start over, you know, that sort of thing. I hear that from my writer friends all the time. And like I said, I'm lucky I'm writing nonfiction, which is easier. And yes, people have asked me if I'm ever going to write fiction. And I've told them no. I tell them I don't think I could do it. And then I had a guest on my podcast who basically challenged my excuses. Oh. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Um, a woman, um, oh, crud, what is her name? That's what happens when you get old. Um, <laughs> I interviewed this lady from Alabama who has been blind since birth, has written all kinds of fiction. And we had the most amazing conversation for like 20 minutes over how do you create all these sets and uh, descriptions of clothing and cars and stuff like that when you can't see and you've never seen them. 
And she said, basically, I read a lot of other people's books and I borrow their descriptions. So, you know, I, I have no excuse not to write fiction other than nonfiction's easier. So, <laughs> and, you know, and like I tell people, sometimes you have to decide that something is not right for you right now. You know, I may, I may decide to write some fiction. Um, and, and who knows, if that happens, I'll be happy to come back on the show and talk about it because I'm sure it's harder than nonfiction um because the great thing about nonfiction is is when things when you don't feel great you get to write about it you know when you feel awesome you get to write about it and if you put enough of your own moments together you have a book or a series of books that's amazing it's so funny that you mentioned that because a lot of my fiction actually comes from real life too so you kind of like when you're feeling bad you can just make somebody else go through it and then they go through all the bad stuff (laughs) (laughs) okay i've got to mention her now because you said this um my friend and client, Adriana Gavazzoni, wonderful, amazing, talented woman from Brazil, a lawyer and author of legal thrillers. My very first client, one of the most amazing friends I've ever had in my life. And here we are, we're still working together four years later as she's starting to win international book awards. No, I'm not responsible for her book awards, but I have gotten her a lot of extra exposure, which didn't hurt. Um, nice. Her thing is, it's like, Max, I love writing fiction. And I said, I'll say, okay, why do you love writing fiction? She says, because if I get mad at a character, I can just kill them all. <laughs> yeah. It's the shovel. <laughs> you know, you know, so, so I've learned from Adriana. The other thing I learned from Adriana, which is, which is something maybe some of your, uh, some of the audience will take, will take advantage of and maybe use this exactly or, or find something similar. Um, for years, she didn't think she had time to write because of her legal career. And also, Brazil is a male-dominated culture where, where she's been was worried about publishing because she thought it might affect her career adversely and cost her work. But oh. um, yeah, yeah, she really had to deal with that actual fear before she could publish, which is one of the amazing things I find out about her. Because another thing that's happened since I've known her is she's now published in Portuguese and in Brazil. So all her colleagues can read her work now if they want to, which has been a really cool thing to be part of and see happen. Um, but the thing that I was going to mention is she said before she had time to write, whenever she, whenever she wrote a legal argument, she would always think, this is storytelling. This is practice for when I get time to write. So she, would think, she wouldn't think about the legal case in real dry, you know, technical terms. She would think of it as, okay, I'm telling the defendant's story, or I'm telling the plaintiff's story, or I'm helping the, the, the witnesses or the experts tell their story. So she said she just used all of those legal briefs as practice for storytelling. And it must have worked because she is an amazing storyteller. And, you know, her legal thrillers, they're the kind of books that I hate to admit that I've read because there's more than a bit of sexual tension along with the psychological (laughs) tension. Um, You know, I'm not supposed to read stuff like that, but she's good. (laughs) Well, so, she's a good, she's a great storyteller. Then it totally makes sense, right? You're like, oh, well, I'm in now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And and uh, and you know, if 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 you hadn't given me a reason to talk about her, I would have talked to you about her after the show's over. So I hope it was okay. Yes, absolutely. I actually would love to reach out to her and get her on here because that's amazing oh, yeah. too. You guys, oh, amazing yeah. stories. Yes, yes, yes. You know, she's she's my biggest cheerleader. She's like Max. She keep, every time we talk, it's like every, she ends her she ends her, her social media posts, she ends her emails to go, Max, red carpets, and don't forget, I'm your plus one. So, you know, she thinks someday I'm going to have a book launch where, you know, it's a big party or, um, you know, one of my books is going to win an award or, you know, now that they give awards for podcasts and speakers, she's like, Max, someday you're going to walk the red carpet and just remember, I'm your plus one. And she, and she even takes it farther than that. Every once in a while, she'll send me an email. She'll go, Max, I just bought the greatest dress, and I bought it for the red carpet, so you need to get on your butt, man. You know, you need to get on your work. And, uh, yeah, one of my favorite ones recently was she said, okay, Max, I've had the dress for a while. Do you think you can talk to Tiffany's or one of the jewelry people and get us some stuff on loan? And I'm like, you know, you really are amazing. (laughs) I love it. She believes, and she's visualizing it. It's like, okay, it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she believes 100%, and I believe about 75% because of her. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's better than 50, and that, that's you're already more than halfway. Yeah, yeah. And she keeps telling people, you know, Max, 
we've been together. We've been, we've been putting in our time and doing our hard work. And she said, one of these days, me and you are going to write a book. It's going to be called the, the blind blogger and the Brazilian lawyer, two friends who conquered the world. Oh, I already has the title. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. When you guys do, let me know. I I know we're all going to be excited for that. It's going to be super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have to have future goals and, and talking about things like this that, you know, may sound a little silly can be very helpful because, you know, you visualize that stuff. Some, some people pray about this stuff. I pray all the time. Some people use law of attraction. I don't pray for red carpets, you know, I pray for, but, um, Sometimes, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where if you don't have goals and if you aren't willing to say those goals out loud or write them down somewhere where people, where somebody else might see them, then you're probably never going to get there, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and I want to make a, a little comment about vision boards. Cause I know a lot of people use vision boards, you know, they'll put photos up or they'll, They'll write, they'll write stuff down on a card and put that up where they can see it. And those are the things they want to accomplish. I'm, I've, I have no problem with a vision board. I think they can be very helpful. But I think people who use a vision board are missing the most important part of a vision board. Hmm. And that's the gratitude frame. Oh. And what I mean is when you, when you, when you make your vision board, leave some space around the edges to post pictures of stuff you've already accomplished to remind you of the good things that you've done already when you're having a bad day. Oh, nice. That's excellent. Yeah. I used to call it a gratitude border, but recently a friend of mine told me gratitude frame works better. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Especially because, yeah, I mean, when I look into like self-help books and affirmations, you know, they're talking about do being grateful for what you've done and here and now. And that's, that just plays right into that. Yep. Yep. And it's something most people wouldn't think of. And one of the bad things about not having those up there is if you're looking at the stuff you haven't accomplished yet, eventually it's going to, you know, bring you down a little, you know, if you're not, you know, if you haven't checked something off the list or taken something down off the board, uh, then, you know, it can really affect your mindset and your mood and your desire to go and, and write that next chapter or next book. So uh, I, I really believe in gratitude and, uh, I do think that, you know, having stuff around that reminds you, I, I've, you know, I've traveled a lot over the years with carnivals and I've lost a lot of my personal possessions. And I tell you, um, one of these days I'm going to purchase a replacement. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. I'm going to purchase a replacement for my Eagle Scout stuff, my neckerchief, my, uh, lapel pin and the, the thing they gave you that went over your shirt pocket. And I, you know, just so I can have them around because it took four years to accomplish that is something, something like only 3% of the male population has ever done. So, you know, it's a big deal. And that's so, you know, I would, I would love to have uh, something like that around and, and somebody said, I'm going to do that. So, you know, just, just anything you can do to remind yourself of past positive experiences where you were successful and, you know, I like to refer to this as, as the movie theater in your mind. The problem is most people are playing, you know, the horror films of their life on the movie theater of their mind. <laughs> yeah. And they're reliving them. They're reliving them and they're not changing the endings, you know. So if you're going to watch your past distra- disasters, at least at least change the ending, you know. Yes. Uh, or, or like I say, find some good memories. Even if they're not yours, even if it was something you participated in, it's really somebody else's memory. You know, find those positive things and think about them, meditate on, on them, or like I say, play them back in the in the theater in your mind. Um, and this is one of those things I'm obviously better at because I spend a lot more time with audio and, and in my own head. So, but it's one of those things you can do, and it really just takes a decision to to practice it a little and just like affirmations, you know, you, people talk about, you know, saying positive things about yourself throughout the day. When it comes to your bad memories, your negative thoughts, these things are stuff you've been doing for a long, long time. So in the beginning, don't say I'm going to eliminate all these negative thoughts or, or negative outbursts. <clears throat> Just decide that every time you say something that, that is negative about yourself, you're going to say at least one thing that's good about yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, say two or three things that are good about yourself every time you say something bad. And then hopefully you'll eventually get to the point where you are saying so many more things that are positive than the things that are negative mm-hmm. that you will be able to handle it when you have real disasters and real tragedies and things like, and things beyond, you know, things, you know, some of the things people have dealt with with COVID and you look at people, some of them, it has totally destroyed their families and other people, they have come through it, you know, different, changed for the better, you know, stronger, willing to help other people more. So, uh, but, you know, like I said, with negative thoughts, with, uh, with the negative images in our head or the movie theater, you just have to start replacing some of those negative with more positive words. It'll help your, it'll help your attitude, your mood, make you more productive. So, um, I, I like, and, and I actually have a, a method that I use that, uh, I think will help, uh, your listeners if, uh, if they will just give it a try. It's pretty simple. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. What I like to say is, is that finding the positive in your life is like finding anything else that's lost. It's just like finding your TV remote, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. your car keys or your smartphone. You know it's there somewhere and you keep looking until you find it. Mm-hmm. And if you can't find it on your own, you ask the family to help you look for it. Mm-hmm. And usually by the time you're through, you'll have a living room that's a mess. You'll have a purse that's been <laughs> emptied out. You know, you'll have all your all your counter stuff will be destroyed. But you know, you will have your, I like to think of somebody, you know, that's sitting on a couch where the cushions are half in the floor. They've got their remote, they've got their cold beverage or their snack, and they've got a big smile because they're watching their favorite show. And so, so that's the way I like to think of it. You have to decide that something positive has happened or will happen and you have to look for it, you know, and you have to, to start a practice of looking for it. And the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Um, I'm really good at finding the positive because I've spent a lot of time in my life on my backside looking up at where the sun or the sky is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of practice. But yeah, with most of these things I've said, it's there are two things involved, a decision and practice. And I know those aren't sexy. They aren't <laughs> easy, you know. But I think that if more coaches and gurus would go, look, any technique you use, just like diet coaches will tell you, any diet you use, if you can use it from now on, you'll be successful. Well, any method you want to use, law of attraction, Reiki, meditation, um, uh, finding the positive the way I do it, asking for help, deciding to find something, no matter what it is, um, you have to do it for a while. You have to practice. Hey there, writer. Thank you for listening to the How to Write a Book podcast with your host, Masier Valenzuela. If you like the show, we'd be happy if you left a review. For more information on writing and the writer's life, go to www.themasiel.com. That's www.themasiel.com. We'll see you on the other side.